You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. If anyone here today is struggling financially or physically or emotionally in a relationship that's broken, carrying unforgiveness, depressed, oppressed, maybe feeling like they want to quit. Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit you would speak through me and meet their need today. As I rid myself, I come to your cross, I listen to your voice, I preach in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. We've been on this 21-day fast, and it, it calmed me down. <laughs> That was a little too much applause from the family section. Um, have you been praying and fasting and hoping and believing and expecting for something? The Holy Spirit told me to tell you something. Don't quit. It's in transit. Don't quit. It's in transit. You know, in the book of Daniel, that's where we got the Daniel fast. For those of you that are visiting, we just went on a 21-day Daniel fast. And uh, what it is is your, what Daniel did. It's, it says that he was in mourning for three weeks. Now, Israel was actually coming out of captivity from Babylon and heading back to the promised land to rebuild the temple. The problem for Daniel and for many of us church leaders is it wasn't happening as fast as we wanted to and the way we wanted to. And I see that in myself, you know. I get disgruntled when the church doesn't fill up. Actually, now it's filling up since I've been fasting, but <laughs> since this fast, our attendance is up like 50, 60%, so praise God. Hallelujah. There was a reason for the fast. But anyway... He was mourning for three weeks, and, and you know, there's times where you mourn because things aren't going as fast as you want or the way you want. Anybody? So he ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came to his mouth, nor did he anoint himself at all. That's not a fast we're going to do, all right, with 300 people packed into a room. That means they didn't take a shower or a bath and put any oil on, so that's a fast we're going to avoid. Uh, for three weeks until the fast was fulfilled. And it says, on the 24th day of the month, that's when he got the vision. Now, it looks like, and I studied it, but I can't be 100% sure, you know, there's a lot of things that you just have to make a decision on. But if you go by the Jewish calendar, it makes sense that actually he didn't get the answer on the 21st day. He got it on the 24th day. So everybody, Tuesday, something good is coming your way. <laughs> but he was by this river. He got a vision, and he saw something that looked like the Son of Man. If you look in Revelation, it looks like it was Jesus. And it says in verse 11 that another angel came up to him and said to him that you are beloved, Daniel. You're beloved. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Look at the person next to you and just say something simple. 
God loves you. You know what? If we said that a lot more than political commentary, this would be a much better world that we live in. God loves you. Now somebody say it to me. I, I want her to say it. <laughs> I love you, Pastor Joe. <laughs> she said Joe. I love when she says Joe. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the, the what day? The first day. From the first day that you fasted and you prayed and you humbled yourself, your words were heard. I know what I fasted for on the first day of this fast. I fasted for the leaders of this church and I fasted for the congregation. That's it. Because I love the leaders of this church, and I love my congregation. You have allowed me to live my dream. Thank you. And he said, your words were heard. When you fast, and you pray, and you humble yourself before the Lord, the minute you open your mouth, your words are heard. Just like Jehoshaphat, remember he called the fast? As soon as they began to praise, the enemy was defeated. In the same way, when you fast and pray, as soon as you open your mouth, he hears your words. And he said, I have come because of your words. The angel came because of whose words? Daniel's words. Angels come because of whose words? Your words. In the Bible, it says if you speak God's word, the angels move to the voice of God's word. So if you call the angels in the name of Jesus Christ, in his will, they will move on your behalf. They said, I have come, Daniel, because of what you said, because of your fasting and your prayer, I have come. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, got in my way, opposed me for 21 days. But then Michael, the archangel, came and helped me and then we kick some butt. That's paraphrasing. <laughs> Point is this. When you fast and you pray and you ask, God moves. But there's resistance. There is a spiritual battle going on. How many of you know that? There's a spiritual battle going on. But you know what? Don't quit. It's in transit. So for 21 days, he fasted and he prayed. He didn't get the answer on day 21. He got it on day 24. You might say to me right now, I've been fasting and praying, and I haven't got an answer. Don't quit. It's in transit. <laughs> I love it. It's in transit. It's coming. It's on the way. And the Holy Spirit gave me three passages of Scripture I'm going to share with you. This is the first one. The next one is John chapter 11. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus had a family that he was really close to. Lazarus, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And Lazarus was rich, had a nice house. Jesus would go hang out at his house. Amen? It's good to have a friend that's got a nice house when you're in ministry. Because it said that, you know, that many times, you know, Jesus would just lay his head down somewhere, but he had friends. 
he had people that were invested in him. And the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. He was out ministering. And they said, Lazarus, our brother, the one you love, see, he loves us, is sick. He does. He really does love you. The one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not going to end in death, but for the glory of God. Wherever you see the word glory of God, that's talking about his goodness. That's talking about his shine. That's talking about who he is. If you say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, you're giving him glory. When Moses went by, uh, when God went by Moses and Moses said, I want to see your glory, he couldn't look at God's face because he would die from judgment. But he saw his hind parts. He saw his goodness. He saw his glory. So this sickness is not going to end in death, but for the goodness of God to see how good God is. The one whom you love is sick. I love it. It's amazing. You know, they had, they had cred with Jesus. They were able to send somebody to go talk to Jesus. There are pastors in this world that you can't talk to. But they were close enough to send somebody to talk to Jesus. Wow. He loved them. They were close to him. But still, Lazarus was sick, and it says he stayed two more days in the place he was, knowing that Lazarus was dead. Many times we think that God has given up on our situation when the fact is he's just staying for a couple days. He's just staying for a weekend. But he's coming. Don't quit. It's in transit. It goes on to say in John chapter 11 that Martha said, if you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. Did you ever have a situation where you're like, where's God in this? Like, where's God in this? If God would only have protected me, if God would only have been here, if God would have only got me that money, if God would have only healed me at that time, if God would only have had my husband come to church, if God would have only, if God would have only. And then you get to the point with, where's Mary? Mary was the more spiritual one. Remember, she laid at Jesus' feet when he was around, and Martha was in the kitchen. Now Jesus is coming, and Martha's out to greet him, and Mary's hiding in the bedroom. You know why? Because Mary was offended with God. He was, she was offended with Jesus. Where were you when I needed you? I laid at your feet. I served you. I washed your feet with my hair. Where are you when my brother's dying? But Martha, the practical one, she came out, and she just looked at it practically. If you had only been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Mary did eventually come out. But did you ever get offended with God? Come on, put your hands up. Put your hands and your leg up when it, it didn't work out exactly the way you wanted it to. Somebody in your family died. You prayed over them in the name of Jesus, and they still died. Somebody was sick, and you believed, and you believed, and you believed, and they weren't raised from the dead. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hand up? Come on now. And some people are living without offense. That's the problem when people take the faith movement too far. And then it doesn't work out the way they want it, and they end up leaving church and saying it doesn't work because it didn't happen this time. Let me tell you something. We're fallible, everybody. We're people. 
But the Lord told me a long time ago when I heard that message about that to pray and believe, and I still do. Don't quit. It's in transit. <laughs> God's working something out. Amen? But she said, you know what? Even though all of that, I know that whatever you ask of God, whatever you ask, even now, even with my circumstances now, even with my brother dead now, God will give it to you. That's faith. Martha shows some faith, man. Martha, Martha redeemed herself. She's like, you know what? But even though, even though what's going on, I know, I know something's coming. It's in transit. You see, because bad things happen. They just do. Things happen. Amen? But don't quit. It's in transit. Sometimes you just want to quit. And I say, don't. Don't do it. Don't ever do it. <laughs> I usually have a lot of words, don't I? <laughs> All right. So it was six years ago, or five or six years ago, that I had a situation in my own life. I had a lot of situations, had a lot of ups and downs, but had a situation where I didn't know where God was in it. It was uh, 11.45 or whatever in my house. My wife and I get ready to go to bed. Got a call from the North Brunswick Police, and it wasn't for prayer. <laughs> my mind immediately, immediately went to Victoria, but no, it wasn't her. She's an angel. She was just good. She knew how to hide it. You know what I'm saying? I got six kids, so I got all kinds of stories. But it was my son. It was my son, Joe. And uh, he was at a hotel on Route 1 with all his friends. They had bought some rooms. And I, the first thing I thought was, man, when I was a kid, we couldn't afford a dang hotel room. We went to the park or the mall strip, like outside somewhere. These kids are buying hotel rooms. Not only that, nice ones. So they had one of those hotel room parties. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, there's a lot of hands going up in their 20s, 20s, early 30s. Never did the hotel room thing. I only robbed hotel rooms, so I don't know. But, uh, so they did the hotel room thing, and we got in the car. I grabbed the steering wheel like I was going to crush the steering wheel, like I was going to crush him. You know the story, right? The many times that I've attacked my son when I was upset with him. The time I put my size 13 into his stomach and kicked him halfway across the room. Yes, put me in jail. I did it. Remember? Remember the time I jumped over the table to get him? Remember? He's still alive. There's nothing wrong. Listen, I never had a father. I didn't know how you do it when your kid does something wrong. My first thought was kill them. Just, you know? I don't know. I thought that's how it worked. You messed up, I'll kill you. <laughs> so anyway, he's still alive. That's all good. So here, I'm driving down there. I'm like, Leisha, I'm going to kill him. 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 We drive down there. You corrected me on the story. Yes, you're right. He got into your car, and I was driving the car that he had. 
But the look he gave me when he got into that car was a look that I didn't really like. It wasn't a, let's just put it this way, it wasn't a look of repentance. <laughs> it was a look like, yeah, this is your fault, you know what I'm saying? So we got home, I followed him home, and he just burst out of the car and went upstairs into the house. And he went up into the second floor of the house, and we went in after, and I just was like doing my breathing exercises. <sighs> I'm not going to kill him. <sighs> I'm not going to kill him. Just trying to get some wisdom. And I went upstairs, and my wife and I were getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, I hear my daughter go, Dad, Dad. I run out into the hall, and she says that my son has a knife. He's in his room with the door locked. Yeah, it's the truth. It's okay, right, son? Daddy. So I kicked down the door, and when I got in, Knife was in his stomach, and his insides were hanging out. So I quickly went over to push them back in. <laughs> I hope that was the right thing, doctor. Uh, went to push them back in. He was out cold, and I just started screaming to God, like, where are you? Where are you in this? What is going on? Please, God, take me right now. I understood Jesus for a moment. I understood God for a moment. I understood Jesus for a moment. I literally would have taken my own life to think that I would lose my son. And almost selfishly, because I know I couldn't live, especially after the last look that he had given me. So 9-1-1, they came, they revived him, and uh, as soon as he woke up, he, he was angry at me. Slightly. <laughs> he was angry at me. It was just a spirit on him, and, and it was understandable, you know. Um, I wasn't the greatest father. I, I didn't have a, a father to understand how to be a father. I've become a much better father, haven't I? Like, I don't beat you up anymore, right? It's good. I'm just kidding. I didn't abuse my kids. I had six kids, man. They beat me up. <laughs> but um, uh, so anyway... Then we got into the ambulance. We got into the front of the ambulance, and the ambulance driver could not find his keys. So we were in my cul-de-sac for five minutes, ten minutes. People are looking on the ground, flashlights. I'm like, God, what is going on? My son is bleeding in the back of this thing, and we can't even, and eventually, I guess, they found the keys. They found the keys in his room, got to the hospital. He was okay, but not here, and here he wasn't. A couple months later, he went to YWAM Los Angeles, youth with, two weeks later, youth with a mission. He went for two weeks. He got saved. He gave his testimony in front of hundreds of people. He told us on the phone that he did. Obviously, I was nervous and scared and full of fear, not ready to believe that God could do it that quick. He came home. I watched him all the time. He doesn't know this, but I watched him all the time. I asked about where he was. I would say to my wife, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? What is he doing? What is he doing? Because that's my son, my oldest son. I love him, you know? And uh, after a while, the Holy Spirit put it on him to go to Hillsong College. 
So we went to Hillsong College for two years. Even a year in, I was still afraid. I've never told you this. I was still afraid. I was still in fear. I just couldn't see this great miracle as being true. He came back last December. He's the most spiritual man I know. He has. Yeah. Yeah. I love all you guys, but no. <laughs> I love all you guys, all my friends, but no. He influenced me to, to influence how, what kind of worship we would do here, what kind of multimedia we would do here, and he's influenced me on how to deal with people. Because he's so good with people. He hugs everybody. Everybody loves him. We go to the mall. He's friends with everybody in the mall. That's how I used to be. And when he sees me getting out of line, he looks at me. And every once in a while, when I'm doing a good job, he winks at me. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it. Stop doing it. Every once in a while, like if I'm doing a good job, I'm talking to my wife, right, and everything, he looks at me. I'm like, dude. But he came back, and he is a mighty man of God right now. He's doing stuff I never could have done. Never could have done the things that he does. The pressure that's on these young men these days, young Christians, all of us that have sons, we got to be praying for our sons. Listen, he's, how many of you are pastor's kids? Amen. Come up here, let me cast the demons out of you right now. Because, no, it's a tough, it's tough, isn't it? Guys, isn't it? Girls, pastor's kids, it's hard. Like, you feel like you have to live up to something, right? You feel like you have to be a certain way. There's a lot of pressure on those kids. We got to keep them in prayer. But the fact is, we didn't quit. He was in transit. <laughs> finally, finally, in Luke chapter 7, this passage I want to share with you. God gave me these in the middle of the night. Boom, boom, boom. On Wednesday night. Now it happened. How many of you know things just sometimes happen? How many of you during this fast have some things happen? Been in some spiritual warfare like, wow. Do you know the first week of this fast that in our congregation there was, there was just all kinds of stuff going on? Because as soon as you go into battle, the enemy says, okay, let me test you now. But by today, we're praising the Lord with hands held high and voices high and joy in our hearts. Hallelujah. I don't know if it's because you had a hamburger or because you love the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I didn't have the coffee yet. I haven't broke mine. But it happened that day that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, Back then, cities had walls and gates. I'm not saying anything political right now, so just chill out on me. Just, th these days, it's like you say anything, people will take it the wrong way. Back then, they had cities and walls to protect their cities. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> behold, a dead man was being carried out. 
You know, honestly, I, I could care less about the political rhetoric, okay? I got my word for you is this, don't quit, it's in transit. All that other stuff's a waste of time. Um, and when he came near the gate of the city, behold, the dead man was being carried, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So here we have a funeral procession, because they, as Jews, you do not bury someone inside the city. They're going out of the city through the gate. She's a widow, which means she doesn't have a husband. She just lost her only son. So back then, there's no Medicare. There's no Social Security. Amen? There's no jobs for single women. We've come a long way. Amen? Hallelujah. So this woman, not only is she hurting, but she's lost any hope. She's financially ruined. And, and of course, she's hurting in her heart because she lost her son and she's already lost her husband, who probably looks like was one reminder of her husband. Amen? And a large crowd from the city was with her. So she is going to bury all of her hopes. She was about to be hopeless. Were you ever hopeless in your life? I'm going to finish on this one. I was 27 years old. If you haven't read my book, that's okay. I'm going to tell you what happened to me real quickly. But when I was 13, my mother had kidnapped me and my younger brother and sister, taken us from our older brother and sister, from our father who was trying to visit with us. She changed our name. So my name, Joseph Adivai, that's my real name, but for... 13 years of my life, I was known as Joe Colucci. That's where the Grace Father thing comes from, you know what I'm saying? It's Joe Colucci. I still have friends that call me up, hey, Colucci. I go, no, that ended a long time ago. <laughs> Just stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. But they don't know. They don't know. But that was my name for 13 years. I lived as someone else, and it affected my life. I started with marijuana and moved on. Colorado, it's not a good idea. I started with marijuana and it led to other things. And before I know it, I was a full-blown drug addict, high school dropout, spent time in Rikers, different prisons and precincts. I was a mess. Through a series of events, I met up with my older brother again. He was a physicist who became now a world-renowned doctor of theology. How many of you have heard him speak here? He'll be here in April, praise God. Some of you asked me last week, he'll be here. But he is the exact opposite of me. He's a total geek. <laughs> I'm cool, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and he'll admit it. You know, he's got a pencil protector. I'm like, hey, dude. <laughs> Yo, bro. Anyway. So he comes to meet me on Staten Island at a Beefsteak Charlie's. Anybody remember that? You've just dated yourself. <laughs> that was our home-style buffet, okay? Right? You know the place I'm talking about by the, you know the place by the Staten Island Mall, Beefsteak Charlie's. All the shrimp you can eat, all the beers you can drink, you know, for one price, you know, you get yourself drunk and full in one whole day. So he met me at Beefsteak Charlie's him and his wife and me and my Staten Island girlfriend with the big hair. And we were sitting there. He comes out. He sits there with his Korean wife, you know, 
We're dressed like gangsters. They're dressed like missionaries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, is this the Salvation Army? What's going on here? So he sits down with us and tells me that he's a Christian. And he had already told me more, a little bit about that on the phone, but then he hands me this Bible. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I go, this girl, I'm, this relationship's over now. <laughs> She's not standing for this. And eventually it was over. But uh, for me, I took the Bible. I went back to the last apartment I was living in that I got thrown out of the other ones. And I did one of these four-day binges. You want to talk about a fast? I'll tell you about a fast. Doing drugs for four days and not sleeping and eating. That's a fast. That'll, that'll, that's a bad fast. I can see it now. Christians taking drugs to fast. But, you know, I, I was on drugs. I didn't eat or sleep for four days. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm ready to go. I'm done. I have lost hope. I'm like, I want to take it out of here. I'm going to call my friend. I'm going to get enough free base that I can turn blue and die because I saw people almost die from smoking crack. So I was like, that will be a good way to go. Seems like fun because I'm out of here. And wouldn't you know it, before I did it, I got a, a touch from the Holy Spirit. I just looked over. I looked at the Bible, and I said, before I do that, I'm going to read that Bible. And by the time I was at chapter 3, I was crying my eyes out and saying, there's something to this. This guy knows me. There's something here. I don't want to die. And when I called my brother the next day, and he heard me talking, he just put the phone down, and I heard him and his wife having a whoop-up party. <laughs> you know why? Because they had been praying and fasting for me. They had been praying and fasting for me. Listen, many of us prayed and fasted over the 21 days, and we didn't just do it for ourselves. We did it for others. I did it for my leadership, and I did it for you, because I love you, and I appreciate you. Well, Jesus did the same thing for this young man. Look at the next verses as we close out here. When the Lord saw her, so this guy, this woman, and the whole Parade of them are taking this body to bury it outside the city. She's crying. Everybody's mourning. It's like the end of the line. Her hope is shattered the same way my hope was shattered. But the Lord saw her, and he had compassion on her. Oh, the ringing of those words. The Lord saw you, and he had compassion on you. The Lord saw you, and he had compassion on you. The Lord saw you, and he had compassion on you. Those words ring for eternity, people. He saw you. He sees you now in your situation, and he has compassion, and he says, don't cry. And when I was going through that with my son, he said, don't be afraid. And I was at many times, but he said, don't be, don't quit, it's in transit. Then he came and he touched the coffin. We just had a funeral with Pastor Jerry. As the pallbearers took the coffin out, if some stranger and a group of people came up and put a hand on that coffin, Pastor Courtney, I think we would have went New York on them, right? Could you imagine being at a funeral? We would have went Jamaica on them. That's even worse. 
I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. <laughs> Could you imagine burying one of your loved ones and being a pallbearer and some stranger coming up and stopping the procession? In the same way, in the middle of the night, when I was about to go and do, I got a touch. In the same way Jesus touched. He says, stop. And they stood still. What else would you do? And then he said, young man, I say to you, arise. It's the same thing he said to me. Get up and live your life. You have a reason to live. I got a plan for you. It doesn't end here. Your hope doesn't die now. Hallelujah. So he who was dead and he who was dead began to speak again. And what the Holy Spirit showed me about this is what this is what it means that he began to live and dream and speak again about a future for his life. And it says that Jesus presented that hope back to his mother. Woman, you can dream again. Woman, you can hope again. Woman, you can believe again. It's not over as long as I'm here. Don't quit. It's in transit. And the difference here, the difference here, and the difference with me is that it's all grace. With Daniel, he was fasting and praying and expecting. With Lazarus and the sisters, they were hoping for Jesus to come help. This woman didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. It's all grace. So whether you're a spiritual leader who's fasting for your church and your family and your ministry, like Daniel, or whether you're in the family of God, like Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, who invest in the church, who invest in Christ, who have access to God, who are doing what they can to lead people to Jesus, or... If you're the woman that doesn't know God, it doesn't matter. It's in transit. It's in transit. Grace is coming. Grace is coming. Grace is coming to you and for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, sometimes we focus on the wrong aspect of this scripture. This is the one that sticks out to me, the first three words. For I know. You know who this is talking? God. Guess what? He knows. Say, he knows. <laughs> I know the plans that I have for you. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. Hey God, what are those plans that you know? Oh, I know this is going to bother somebody. Plans to prosper you. Oh yeah, there's people that come to church that don't want to do well. Let me try that again. 
there's people that come to church that don't want to do well. As soon as they hear the word prosperity, they're like, ah, get the garlic out. Plans, what's his plan to what? Prosper you. Who, who, prosper who? Oh, okay, let's try that again. His plan is to prosper me. So you know that you want to prosper me and you don't want to harm me. And you want to give me what? Hope. How many of you want hope? How about a future? Well, some of you do. This woman I prayed for earlier today, I said, God's telling me that you're going to meet a man this year. She said, no. I said, what's the problem? with no, 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 no. I said, listen, the Holy Spirit's telling me that he's in transit. He's coming. No, 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 no. I'm not going to tell you her name, Jane Kramer, but I'm going to say this. Right now, she is so red. Look, I don't think a person could be that red right now. That's what you're going to, that's what you're going to look like when he comes. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. We spoke it out now. But if you say no, it's okay. To give you hope and what? <laughs> A future. Calm it down here. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> he knows. So the issue isn't whether he has a plan, whether he's going to prosper you, whether he's giving you hope, or whether he's giving you a future. That is not the issue. The issue is, do you know? married to me. I already came. I was in transit and I arrived. What And the truth of the matter is, we met on Jersey Transit. So it's in transit. All the single ladies right now are thinking, I need to take a train into the city. You know, I haven't taken the train in a while. Amen? It's in transit. So, the question isn't about what he knows. Worship team, you can come up right now. But the question is, do we know? And the answer is, if we love God, we do know. Romans 8, 28 says this. We know. Let's try that. We know. Let's try that again. We know. Let's try one more time. We know. Oh, you do? We know that all things. What things, Pastor Joe? Does, it, does, does that mean... A mess with your son? Does that mean a mess with your daughter? Does that mean a mess in your marriage? Does that mean a mess in your ministry? Does that mean a mess in your finances? Does that mean a mess in your health? All things. But they're working together. Let's try this. For what? For good. Let's do that again. 
For good. One more time. For good. We know that his plan is to prosper us, to give us hope, to give us a future, because all things that are happening right now are working together for the good for those who love God. How many of you love God? Don't raise your hand unless you mean it. You're in church. To those who are called, how many of you are called? According to his purpose. So those of us that love God, those of us that are called according to his purpose, we know that even the mess, the trials we're going through right now are working together for our good because God has a plan to prosper us, to give us a hope, and to give us a future. That's it. We know. We know. We know. We know. We know. You know, 16 years ago, started the church in the hotel by the Walmart. They, they, they knocked it down. I was going to do a Where Are They Now video. And they knocked the hotel down. So we were in the hotel. And then we moved to the brothel. Yeah, I said that right. We were in the hotel. And then we moved to the brothel. Sarah, don't look at me with that inquisitory face. The fact is, we were in the hotel, and Ricky, we found a place in Lions Plaza that was renting out. So we went and investigated. We went in there and we saw these stalls with weird pictures and things going up. We, we didn't know what it was. We had, you know, next thing you know on TV, brothel broken up by the FBI in North Brunswick. That was our next church. Amen. When they said this was a brothel, I was like, praise Jesus. Because what was going on wrong is going to go on right in here, right now. Hallelujah. I wasn't saying praise Jesus because it was a brothel. I'm saying praise Jesus because now it's going to be the Lord's house. <laughs> Next thing you know, Ricky comes to me and says, hey, there's another building. We come over here. It's the Visiting Nurses Association. We go, but no more, the nurses stopped visiting. I don't know why they weren't visiting anymore. So we were able to get this building. In that hotel room, I would have never known, but it was, it was, it was in transit. It was in transit. And now I'm sitting here with you beautiful people in this beautiful building, and we need another building. Guess what? I ain't worried. It's in transit. It's on its way. God's working all this for our good. And as we lead more and more people to Jesus, first we'll have to fill up the first service, and that's what's happening now. But he's got a plan. It's in transit. And I should have just referred back to the first thing I said at our church, at our first service, our second service, our third service. And I said it for years to come. And some of you remember that. I'm sure you guys remember. And some of you that were there early on from the beginning. I would say something every week about God's goodness. And it was this. Something good is coming your way. Now they added that today. It might be Tuesday. 
It might still be in transit. But something good is coming your way. Something God is coming your way. Something good's coming your way. It's in transit. We may not see it now, but it's coming. Chugga, chugga, chugga. It's in transit. Hallelujah. The train may be making a few stops. There might be some opposition. It's chug, chug, chugging. Along that train, chug it, chug it, chug it. I don't know, choo-choo, I don't know. Something good's coming your way. It's in transit. For some of you, you've never even met Jesus. But like me, 30 years ago, I hate to say that now, it's 30 years ago, put my faith and trust in Jesus. I didn't even know him. But it was all being worked out. It was in transit all the way. I was set up to meet him, and I've never looked back. That could be your day today. So if you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. We receive Jesus by saying this prayer together. And people get saved here every week. And if they don't, it just means they're in transit. But today, there could be someone who hears my voice right now who's never put their faith in Jesus. Are you 100% sure that if you die tonight, you spend eternity in heaven? If you even blinked at that question, then today is your day to say this prayer and believe. So say this with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead that I might have new life. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me brand new today. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes closed, your head bowed for one second. If you said that prayer and you meant it, it might be your second or third time, it's okay. But you said it and you meant it today. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Have your whole life changed today. Raise your hand right now. Amen. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. All those people that raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Just stand to your feet quickly so we can pray for you. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.